The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the April 12th meeting of the Budget and Appropriation Committee. I am Supervisor Connie Chan, Chair of the Committee. I'm joined by uh, Vice Chair Raphael Mendelman and members uh, Supervisor Shaman Walton and uh, Supervisor Hillary Ronan, Asha Safai. Our clerk today is uh, Brent Talipa. I would like to thank uh, SFGov TV for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcement? Thank you, Madam Chair. With our return to the chamber, just a friendly reminder for those in attendance to please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices. The Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The Board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. Uh, first, uh, when public comment is called, those attending in person will be allowed to speak first, and then uh, we will take those waiting on telephone line. For those watching either channels 26, 28, 78, or 99, and sfgovtv.org, the public comment call-in number streaming across the screen, that number is 415-655-0001. Again, that's 415-655-0001. Then enter the meeting ID of 2485-642-0957 and press pound twice. When public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak, and those on the telephone should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you're on your telephone, please remember to turn on your TV and all listening devices you may be using, and each speaker will be allowed up to two minutes to speak unless otherwise stated. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Budget and Appropriations Committee Clerk at brent.jalipa at sfgov. Org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That's 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. And that, Madam Chair, concludes my announcements. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, I just first want to thank colleagues for your flexibility today, knowing that, you know, it's now a, an hour later than typically w w when we would meet for the Budget and Appropriation Committee. Um, and then uh, just really appreciate particularly the Budget and Finance Committee. Uh, Vice Chair Mandelman and Supervisor Safai for continuing with us this long day, um, but hopefully not too long. And since we only have one item on this agenda, I do see we have a director, uh, Anna Duning from the mayor's office, our budget director here, as along with Michelle uh, Alersma from the controller's office uh, for their presentation. Really appreciate you being here as well. Um, let's start. Thank you. Oh, actually, Madam Chair, I should call the item. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> Sorry. Please call the item. <laughs> Yes, Matt, uh, item number one is a hearing on the March update to the city and county of San Francisco's five-year financial plan. Uh, members of the public who wish to uh, provide public comment should call 415-655-0001. The meeting ID is 2485-642-0957, then press pound twice. And if you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been admitted, that is your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you. Please. Good afternoon, Supervisors. Anna Duning, Budget Director in the Mayor's Office. If I can ask the clerk to call up the slide presentation. Great. Thank you. 
Um, so every year in March, our office works with the controller's office as well as the budget and legislative analyst office to update the five-year financial projection. So that projection you all got in January, that's when we published the report. And that report, the first two years, were the projected deficit that we were trying to balance around uh, for the quickly approaching June 1st budget. So we worked with the controller's office and the BLA, like I said, um, to update those projections, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. Next slide. So first, I just wanted to reorient everyone to what some of the assumptions were in that January report, because I think the main takeaway today is that the assumptions have not drastically changed um, since we last published this. We will highlight the main changes, but sort of our view of the local economy, the national economy, the major cost pressures that we're facing have really not changed. Go to the next slide. So in that January report, this is our you know, long-term financial planning document. We use what we call a base case projection, meaning that this assumes we make no significant policy decisions that change all the revenues and the expenditures that add up to the deficit that we project over multiple years. Um, and then it's also the basis for the mayor's budget instructions, which were issued in December. Next slide, please. So that report projected a $728 million deficit over two years. Um, and that was about $200 million in the first year, and then it grew to over $500 million in the second year of the budget. Next slide. So these were some of the assumptions in that report, and these assumptions, like I said, remain largely the same today. So we're seeing either very slow growth or little to no growth in most of our major tax revenues. We're also losing out on federal revenues and other one-time sources, and that includes FEMA, um, as well as other one-time sources that were used to budget, to balance prior year budgets. The report incorporates various election measures from both June and November 2022. And salary and benefits for all of our open contracts, we are assuming just CPI growth on those wages, and that assumption also remains the same because the contracts that we are currently negotiating have not yet been approved by this board. It also assumes a 7.2 rate of return on our pension investments. And finally, we apply various cost um, inflation assumptions on a number of different costs, including CPI on non-personnel contracts, on IHSS wages, another contract that's being negotiated right now. We assume that we fully fund the 10-year capital plan, which I believe will be in front of this board next week. Um, and that assumes that we add over $30 million a year to our capital plan spending to get back to pre-pandemic levels of capital spending. And there's a number of other updates. Next slide. So in that January report, these were some of the main changes since the last time we did this projection. And this is just a reminder of where we're seeing some of the reductions or downgrades in our local tax revenues. And uh, Michelle Alarisma from the Controller's Office will speak to some of the changes in these assumptions. But I think the bottom line, like I said before, is just our view of the world and of the local economy has not drastically changed. Uh, these tax revenues are still seeing much less growth than we saw in pre-pandemic times uh, for a number of reasons that I think you all are all very familiar with at this point. Next slide. All right, so um, what did we update in the last couple months? Um, this slide, I think, just shows 
the main or the bottom line, if we go to the next slide. Okay, a lot of numbers here, but the bottom line is the first year got $90 million worse. The second year got $38 million better, and then there are some changes in the out years, but we're really focused on the first two years because that's what gets to our updated $780 million deficit. So what changed across those two years? If you go to the next slide. So um, Michelle is gonna talk about the revenue changes, and then I'll speak briefly to some of the expenditure changes. If this is on, I can speak. Great. <laughs> Michelle Ellersmith, Controller's Office. Um, as uh, Ms. Dooning mentioned, we didn't make um, any very large changes, um, assumption changes in this report, um, but there are a few updates for new pieces of information that we have. Um, so the first one of those with property tax, modestly higher, because we're just looking at what the role, the, the working role is for next year. Um, and there's, uh, the role growth was higher than we had projected. Um, so we're adding that. Um, into our forecast and it kind of is base building so it affects all the future years um, and it also bumps up excess EREF. Um, the, other, the other change that we made that, that partially offsets that is that we're, um, we have an office model um, to kind of, kind of estimate what we think we're going to be paying in refunds um, on office properties and we kind of in, the main assumption that we changed there was we're increasing kind of what the peak vacancy rate is going to be for office from about 29 to 33 percent and that kind of bumps up what we think we're going to refund later so um, a little bit of weakness there but like overall um, more property tax um, modest increase in business tax as well um, tax year 2022 filings um, were due at the end of February 2023. That's just the annual tax filing schedule. And those filings, um, the, the returns had higher tax year 2022 um, liabilities than we had initially anticipated. So we're going to bake in a little bit of that and assume it's base building and going forward. Um, transfer tax, uh, we're also reflecting kind of what we're seeing um, in the current year, which is very, very low um, numbers and values of transactions. And we don't really see anything that would cause us to change, to think that the forecast in the future years are going to be much different. Um, that there are many things that change us. One of the biggest ones is interest rates. Um, nobody's buying partly because they can't finance it, but partly because they don't want to buy anything. Um, and so we're, we're kind of keeping current year, um, we're bringing down the assumption for every year by about $40 million. Um, next slide. Um, one thing that we do with our state uh, sales tax subventions, we just align with whatever the governor's proposed budget is because they're projecting what the state's gonna get for, proper, for, for excuse me, sales tax and VLF. We're gonna assume that we're just gonna bake in their projections and we'll get our same share of that, whatever it is that they project. So we've aligned to the January forecast, which is a bit lower. So it's a about $30 million loss in every year um, because they are projecting extremely slow, slow to flat growth in sales tax. Um, and then the big, um, I think the biggest uh, kind of assumption change that we did make with revenue is with FEMA revenue. Um, we have discussions every other week with our Region 9 representatives and our Cal OES representatives, um, and there's 
a lot that they don't know, but what we're hearing um, is that they're, they're really focused on getting claims in for all the jurisdictions that have received no um, FEMA reimbursements for the COVID emergency yet. So they've been spending a lot of time with us. They're kind of putting us aside and they're focusing on all these other jurisdictions. So there is no movement um, on our claims. There is no obligations. There are no payments. It's just we're, we're kind of in a holding pattern. What we're showing here is that we're saying we thought we would get all of our revenue by the end of next year. It does not seem likely given we've gone almost nine months with no action in the current year. So we're really moving that money farther out into the future. So that's a, I would say that's one of their bigger revenue changes here. And next slide and back to Ms. Duding. Sure, so just a few expenditure changes that we've reflected in the March update. So the first is increased deposits that are required to pay back the reserves that we borrowed from to pass the police supplemental and the public work supplemental. So again, we funded those with our general reserve and we are replenishing that reserve. And there's some modest other changes that are required to that reserve. So that's about $50 million in the first year. Um, on salary and benefits, we're seeing increased costs in both healthcare rates, and that's largely due to medical inflation. We're hearing that those costs are just going up and up and up, um, and unfortunately also our retirement costs. And that's because um, between when we initially did the report and now the retirement system updated the audited actuarial value of our assets um, based on everything that happened last year, and unfortunately it was worse than they initially estimated. Um, so that was unfortunate too, and that also drove a general fund cost. And then finally, um, there are some other modest sort of city changes to citywide costs, and that's in HSA aid payments. Um, some good news is workers' compensation costs. Last year, you all may remember, we actually had to do a supplemental um, to pay for increased workers' compensation costs, and we thought those would continue increasing. Those are leveling out a bit, um, and so we brought down our assumptions there. Next slide, please. So this is just to highlight all the policy decisions that have come before this body recently that have been the subject of conversation between our offices um, that are not assumed in this report. This list could have been very long because um, we are all aware of many cost pressures happening, but this is just to be clear that these are things that are probably real costs that we need to start thinking about or planning around or making decisions about, but again, are not assumed in this $778 million number. Uh, and that includes what would be the cost of actually annualizing, um, both what we did for the police department as well as public works, um, further extending the downtown ambassador programs, um, maintaining shelter capacity. We're funding a lot of our shelter operations right now with state grants that we're still sort of chasing after to figure out if we are gonna be able to maintain those grants. Um, and if we don't get those grants, that's a major local cost if we wanna keep operating those shelters. And then there's a number of tax change proposals that have also been introduced to this body and other pending policy decisions among many. Um, also, we highlight in the report various pending supplementals um, beyond the police and public works one that add up to over $60 million. That is also obviously not assumed in this report, um, but that more than, that would, I think, more than eat up what is left in the general reserve. Next slide. I think I'm going to pass it back to Michelle to talk a bit about um, our reserve status. This is small. This, um, this is the table of reserves that we keep in all of our reports. Um, so 
let's see, changes from the last time you saw it, I think will just be um, that we are now showing at the very top line, the draws on the general reserve in the current year and the replenishment of the reserve next year, um, according to our rules. Um, otherwise, I don't think there are any changes to this table from the last time you saw it. Um, next slide. Um, so in all of our forecasts, um, forecasters, us included, we don't um, assume recessions. The State Department of Finance doesn't do it for the state budget. We don't do it for our local budget. But what we do instead is say we have a recession scenario um, in our forecast to say kind of what, the, um, what that could mean to our projections. Um, and so this is just a section of the report um, that we're not assuming happens. Um, the scenario that we came up with before was that we would assume a slowdown beginning in the middle of 2023 um, that would result in an immediate loss of property, business, hotel sales, and transfer tax revenue, and then kind of over the forecast period of about $950 million. Um, that's kind of the top line of the updated projection reduction in base case revenue. A few things would offset that because we would have less flowing to the baselines. The shares would get smaller, so less would flow out. Um, we would have lower reserve deposit requirements because our reserve deposits are tied to our revenue amounts. So those are decrements. Um, we would also assume that in a recession, our, um, the, retirement, the value of the retirement system's assets would take a hit. Um, and so we used a scenario that um, the uh, retirement systems actuary had in a report from last year of about an 11% loss. Um, and that would also increase costs by about, oh, that's the one thing I didn't do. Um, that, would, that would increase retirement rates in fiscal years 25 and outward marginally. Um, we also assume in our recession scenario that with the revenue losses, we become eligible under our formulas to to draw down our economic stabilization reserves. So we assume we're gonna take all of that, $380 million, and the, the kind of net effect of the losses um, offset by the, um, the reserve use is an increase in um, shortfall across the, the forecast period of about $340 million um, above what we've already projected. So just to give you a sense of what it, could look like. It's, it, it would look very different than this, but this gives you a small idea of some of the things that would change. I think the next slide is our just conclusion, which... Sure. Um, so the big changes in this update are really driven by that change in the FEMA assumption. And it's really because we are pushing out some of the expectation of FEMA from the first year to the second year, then I think the second year of the budget looks a little bit better than it, it really is because FEMA is still a huge risk in terms of the timing um, and the amount that we're actually going to get reimbursed. Um, and then I'll just add too, obviously there are just significant cost pressures out there um, that we are all trying to plan around, um, including um, both on the expenditure side, but also risks on the revenue side, should we see something approaching a recession in the next few months. Um, and with that, we're both available to answer your questions.
Could we, um, I, I don't have any uh, name on the roster at this moment, but um, could we go back to the uh, sort of the recession scenario really quick, which is on the slide, uh, page 15, or a slide uh, 15, and just um, kind of help me understand better that, you know, the projection do not assume a recession. Uh, and then here it also says specifically that if the economic st stabilization reserves were completely depleted, um, so this is also the referencing the slide on for, like slide 14. Um, is it 380 million or 360 million? Oh, 380 million for the, uh, I, I see that, 380.3 economic stabilization reserves. And can you remind me again, sorry, because it went through kind of fast, um, what is the threshold and triggers for, for, to, to use that? You have to have a year-over-year -year decline in revenue. By any amount, uh, just a just a decline year to year, year uh, revenue decline in yep. any fashion, in any dollar amount, we we get to use it. You get to use it, but only up to the amount of whatever your shortfall is. So it isn't that you can have a tiny decrease and take the entire reserve. You can have a decrease and take a proportional amount of reserve to fix and, it. And considering uh, it, and so like, let me try to understand when you say shortfall, does that mean the deficit, right? And then at this moment is 295 for this fiscal year. The use of economic stabilization reserves is really entirely pegged to revenues. And, and maybe if I can just clarify Please. for the budget chair and the committee, um, you know, revenues are still, there's still increases year over year. They're just not anywhere close to the increases in our expenditures. So that's what's driving the really big deficit is that we're not seeing our revenues, our revenues grow the way we were used to them growing, um, again, in pre-pandemic years. But we are not seeing a decline. And that's um, a recession would likely we, is where we would see a full year-over-year -year decline in our revenues and then allow us to tap into some of these reserves. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the, re the use of those particular reserves is entirely tied to changes in revenue, though. So as long as those are going up, even moderately, we, under, under our rules, we can't draw them. Um, and that's what we're kind of projecting in the base case is very, very modest, but growth still. I'm sorry, colleagues, maybe I, I, if I may, I, I would like to continue to ask a little bit more questions about this. Um, and, and so uh, let me try to understand. So the, right now, like the revenue in this sense is the tax revenue, like the tax that we generate. And in this case, what we're seeing is we see that property tax, transfer tax, business tax are down, um, but we do see sales tax and hotel tax are up. Uh, that is what we're gaining for the fiscal year 23-24. So in this case, uh, but, but we're still seeing overall a deficit of, uh, right now, according to your slide seven, that in the fiscal year 23-24, what we're seeing is a $273.8 million deficit with, with the next year is $354.4 million deficit. And so with the, with the slide seven, then that does mean that triggering, we, we are allowed to tap into the 380.3 million. 
No, so the economic stabilization reserves, um, they're looking only at the revenue line of the picture. Um, and that revenue is increasing, not very much, but it's still getting slowly larger year by year. So it's going whatever, 10, 11, 12. It's not a big increase, but it's, it's still going up. And because of that, we are not eligible to withdraw. We can only withdraw if it goes 10, 9, 8 on the revenue side. Those reserve rules um, are independent of what's going on with expenditures. Right. And so what you're saying is even though we are, we, we even in all categories, unless all categories of those tax revenue that is facing deficit, the fact that we have, uh, in this case, sales and hotel tax are actually increasing uh, and we seem positive, like basically in black, not in red, uh, not, in, you know, and in positive gaining, then we were not allowed to tap into the existing economic stabilization reserve of 380.3 million. However, that the rest of it, though, that the, about roughly the 360 million that we're seeing, the whole list of like fiscal cliff, federal and state emergency grant disallowance, they all may have their own threshold and triggering and suspensions varies right each each one of them uh, we we're, it that's not dependent on the revenue that's correct that's all I have colleagues any questions at all no I think we are good actually like I think um, no, it's not good news, I think, for us. Uh, I, I, I think that this is uh, a moment we understand that we were projected at three, 225 for this fiscal year of deficits, and now it has jumped higher. Um, thank you so much for all the work that all of you are doing. Um, I know it's not uh, included in this hearing, uh, so to speak, but I think because you have touched up a little bit on um, in terms of expenditure side of things and just of what's to come, you know, uh, so I just wanted to dive a little bit deeper. I know that, you know, there's still a lot more uh, work to do. Uh, you know, it still seems to be a lot of unknown uh, leading to June 1st uh, before the mayor proposed her budget. Um, but just kind of looking at, you know, some of the uh, pending and proposed policy decisions that the administration is making, of course, like, I think with this board too, right, that's the whole budget process. But as we are approaching, you know, just looking at analyzations of the police and public work supplementals, uh, the downtown ambassador programs and the shelter capacity, um, so far, like, you know, besides those, are there anything else that, I, I know you mentioned that there's a long list of it. Um, how do you identify these? Are these the biggest ticket item, so to speak, uh, in your long list of like pending policy decisions for the expenditure? Or, or like, what are your, I, I just want to understand, like, these are the big, biggest item or there are actually other ways to, the reason why you're listing them? Yeah, thanks for that question, Budget Chair Chan. And those items were just the subject, have been the subject of recent conversations at, in this, at this board um, and conversations with the mayor's office have had with many of you. So that we just wanted to highlight those as examples, but um, they're not necessarily the, the biggest, and they're probably some of the biggest ticket items too. Yes. So, so it's a mix of both policy and topic of conversation that we've been having, but also ticket item. So. I think with that said, what would be your biggest ticket item, I think, so to speak, in terms of pending? Like, what is the biggest portion of, you know, your expenditure that you have yet to decide it on? 
Um, it's hard to answer at this point in time about a single expenditure item, um, but I would just go back to what are the mayor's policy priorities. Some of those are reflected on that list here. Um, that is maintaining essential services, and as we're seeing costs going up and up, that's a cost. Um, it's uh, public safety, um, continuing to make sure the police department has the resources they need. That's going to be a major cost. It is certainly sustaining the shelter capacity that we have and ideally being able to do more um, to address homelessness as well as mental health. That's a major cost. So um, some of those things listed there are all, are all going to be major costs if we decide to do them. But um, there's still a lot more information that's going to come over the next few weeks um, in short order. The governor's budget, the, mm -hmm. another revenue update, um, the pending decisions about various MOUs that are still being negotiated. So there's a lot that's going to change very quickly, and we want to make sure that we're using the most updated information possible before we make some of the big decisions. Thank you. And just also want to uh, understand that with the uh, deficits that is and expenditure that, that we're projecting right now, um, is, is this also assume like that ERAF is also included in these assumptions? That's correct. Right now we assume that the state does not change the allocation for ERAF. And will we actually have any, any time, will we see changes to ERAF in this fiscal year? I don't believe we've seen anything yet that suggests the state is going to change the ERAF allocation. But again, we'll see, we'll know more when we see the governor's May revise. And that's the May, right? The May revise, we will actually see that decision. Is I, what you're saying? I believe they would need to indicate it by then. But there has not been any trailing legislation yet or legislative sure? changes that have been introduced that suggests they're going to change ERAF allocations. We just know the state is also in a major deficit, um, and they've proposed some ways to try to close that, but that might be another tool at their disposal should they choose. So we still feel like it's a big risk, but we haven't seen anything definitive yet that suggests it's definitely going away. Thank you. And I just also uh, wanted to clarify, too, so while we say that, you know, for this fiscal year, again, of course, we would not know what the next, next fiscal year uh, would, would be like for, for ERAF because this issue seems to be pending. And could you remind us, uh, I think it's roughly $300 million, is that correct, for the ERAF? Yes, it's around $300 million. And it's a portion of property tax. So it goes up a little bit when property tax goes up, and it goes down a little bit when property tax goes down. Thank you. Seeing no more questions, uh, let's go to public comment. Yes, Madam Chair, members of the public who wish to speak on this hearing and or in person should line up now to speak. Uh, for those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001 with the meeting ID of 2485-642-0957, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. And for those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and there'll be a signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, uh, Mr. Lamb, if you could uh, unmute our caller, please. Good afternoon, David Pilpel. Can you hear me okay? Please begin. Yep. Great, thanks. Um, so I think this is what they call a sobering report. The numbers in the report are pretty big and very real. Um, 
several uh, brief thoughts. I think it would be good to have similar language in the various charter set-asides and MOUs as to whether the joint report deficit projection triggers deferral of the baseline uh, set-aside or salary increases. There's some consistency, but then some not consistency uh, about the language. Um, uh, and yes, we did not get to <clears throat> uh, 300 uh, million, so it did not trigger um, some of the uh, uh, deferrals, but it did trigger um, other ones. Anyway, uh, I'm also thinking about a charter amendment to reorganize and streamline uh, the various city agencies, boards, commissions, and departments. I frankly think we have too many uh, now, including some smaller uh, agencies, boards, commissions, and departments that could be clustered, and that constrains our ability to provide programs and services because they all have administrative overhead. Uh, for the upcoming budget year, I think we should examine classification creep, um, a position that started out as an 1820, became a 22, a 23, a 24, or 25, whatever, right? Um, downgrade uh, positions where possible, especially vacant positions, and encourage more use of Proposition F retirees, especially where hiring is difficult. Once again, this shows how the city is dependent on volatile uh, revenue sources, especially for general fund uses. And I wanted to end by thanking uh, Michelle uh, Alersma, uh, Risa Sandler, Anna Duning, Dan Goncher, and their staff for their uh, work on this report and getting the numbers right. Thank you very much. Thank you much for your comments. And Madam Chair, that concludes our queue. Thank you. Seeing no more public comment, public comment is now closed. Um, I would like to make the motion to continue this item to the call chair. And uh, with that, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Uh, Madam Chair, I will need a second. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, se second. He verbally out loud. Super by Supervisor Walton. Very well. And uh, please, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. On that motion, uh, by Chair Chan, seconded by Member Walton, that this uh, hearing be continued to the call of the chair. And Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, aye. Member Safai. Safai, aye. Member Ronan. Ronan, aye. Member Walton. Walton, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have five ayes. Thank you, and the motion passes, and uh, are there any other business before us today? Uh, Madam Chair, that concludes our business. Thank you. The meeting is adjourned.